And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. What's up, hustlers? Welcome back. This is Andrew Morgans, your host here today on Startup Hustle, uh, founder of Marknology. I'm excited about today's guest. Um, I'd like to welcome Mike Smirklow to the show, co-founder and managing director of Next Coast Ventures. Mike, welcome. Thanks, Andrew. Great to be here. Yeah, I know. Uh, we, we were talking a little bit before the show started, and you said you've been on call since 8 a.m., so I really appreciate having you on the show and uh, getting a chance to learn more about what you do and uh, how you can share um, with the rest of us more about what Next Coast Ventures does, but as well as your space. Yeah, um, great. yeah I'm really excited to know, um, you know, kind of how you got into this, actually. Um, do you think we could start a little backstory? Uh, just tell me a little bit about your your role to to where you are today. Um, share as much as you like or as little as you like. Um, but I'll start at the beginning if you don't mind. Yeah, I'll try and, I'll try and be brief. I mean, the short answer is uh, I grew up in the Midwest. You're, you said Kansas. I grew up in Toledo, Ohio. Uh, first person in my family ever go to college. Got some jobs early on in financial services. Was a CPA for my first job. Was, okay. it, was at the job for about 36 hours before I realized I absolutely hated it. Um, but, you know, like any other job, I, I got had some good foundational jobs early on. Uh, eventually went to business school at Northwestern, and then I moved out to Silicon Valley in the late 90s okay. and, and started there, uh, got my first operating role with two legendary entrepreneurs, Mark Andreessen and Ben Horowitz. Um, so I worked for Mark and Ben. If you've ever, it's a wonderful book for entrepreneurs called The Hard Thing About the Hard Thing. I worked for Ben and Mark for chapter one through seven uh, before okay. I went off on my own to be an entrepreneur and uh, I ended up buying a small business in San Francisco I ran it for 12 years and took it from a small startup all the way through a publicly traded company. I was a public, com a public company CEO for about three and a half years. And then I decided after 12 years, I was tired, uh, exhausted, better word, and way over underqualified to do the job and decided to move to Austin, Texas and uh, start Next Coast Ventures with, uh, with one, a longtime colleague of mine. That's, that's an incredible story, honestly, and sounds like true to any entrepreneur. Um, you know, moving into something and, and sometimes you don't know that it's not for you until you're there. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's something that I've experienced myself. Um, got a degree in computer science and networking and uh, just hated the field. But I didn't know until I, you know, really got into it that I knew, you know, networking and security and kind of waiting on stuff to break wasn't for me. Yeah. And so, you know, had to change careers as well. Um, you, you, you spoke of your, um, you know, the first two entrepreneurs you worked with um, in a book. Let's talk about your book, Mr. Monkey and Me. Yeah, sure. So I wrote this book really as a labor of love. I joke it's a little bit like when I became an entrepreneur, if I knew how hard it was going to be, I probably wouldn't have done it. Okay. Uh, but it was really a book to talk about the mental aspect of entrepreneurship. I found a lot of content out there was either the lightweight, what does Mark Zuckerberg do before 6 a.m. or Elon Musk have for breakfast, which really doesn't help 99.99% .99 of entrepreneurs out there. Uh, or the content was very topical around a business plan or raising capital, but nothing really spoke to the mental aspect of entrepreneurship. Uh, and that's why I wrote the book. And it really is, a, it's not a memoir, it's an anti-memoir, I call it. It's uh, okay. filled with a bunch of cringe worries, stories of 
of things I completely screwed up and did wrong, but tried to give some perspective of what I saw from legendary entrepreneurs that I mentioned earlier, my time of running a company and being an entrepreneur, and now having invested over 50 different companies at Next Coast Ventures, what I see great entrepreneurs do well, and I see and, and traps that I see other entrepreneurs fall into and try and help people avoid that. Well, I love it. And uh, sounds like an interesting read. I'll honestly be be getting it and I'll let you know what I think. Thank you. Uh, I uh, I try to share that that myself on my own content, my Instagram and podcast and just be as open as I can. Um, I think sometimes for me, it's hard to talk about those failures. Uh, not because I'm embarrassed of them. Honestly, I don't honestly believe that it's ego. It's, I, if anything, I move over problems too quickly. I need to probably process them a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, that's, it's very common. I similarly felt that way. No one likes to feel vulnerable. No mm -hmm. one likes to think that they don't have the answers, especially as an entrepreneur. You kind of feel like, Hey, I'm, I'm supposed to have all the answers, aren't I? Uh, and so I tried to get to the book uh, in the book. The monkey is the real star of the book. And that's the personification for me of fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And I talk about how it came up in my life and how I've kind of learned to manage it, but not entirely. No, I'm, uh, I'm on the same journey. And uh, I've just realized so much how important the, the mental health or the mindset is day in and day out consistently. Um, and it's honestly where I'm putting most of my focus and, and the business is kind of happening because of that, for me, at least where it's like, uh, you know, my personal growth has definitely held back the business in some ways, whether it's, you know, communication issues, or it's, um, you know, leadership, not issues, but like things I need to learn and, and, and sharpen. Um, and so I've been working on those areas, knowing that if I get that in check as the leader of the business um, or improve those skills, you know, we're going to grow. So uh, really well, look forward. Found, yeah. Sorry. What have you found to be the biggest, where do you find the biggest uh, aha moment in, in that exploration? Cause that's really deep. Um, well, for me, it's been, you know, there's some things that uh, it's mostly insecurities uh, around certain areas and limiting belief. Um, and as I'm able to move those, I guess, or like become aware of them first, that's, you know, becoming aware of them and then, um, you know, trying to process them and then letting them go. Because once you become aware of them and you've processed them, you have to let it go. So, um, you know, whether it's I want to reach my first million dollars in revenue and, um, you know, do you believe that you're a good enough entrepreneur to make a million? Like, you know, what's your belief like there? Um, do you deserve that? You know, are you doing the right stuff? And for me, um, I, I business wasn't how I grew up. So, you know, it's been a lot of learning, kind of like a crash course and, uh, you know, trying to move into certain areas, even being on the podcast, for example, and talking with brilliant minds and um, getting into certain subjects that I'm not going to be an expert at, you know, and yeah. just, you know, try to be humble, try to be there, try not to sound like an idiot at the same time, you know, uh, yeah these things can get us from stepping into areas that were like, you know, fantastic. So like for me, um, I've been working for years to get to where I have a team, you know, there's 14 of us here at Marknology. Now I get to start doing things that I'm actually better at than before. Um, you know, but there was no leadership, like leadership skills, for example, that's kind of the home I grew up in. So those skills come natural to me, more natural to me. Um, well, there's no one to lead when it's me and a VA, you know, yeah. uh, you know, or something like that. So that those skills never come into play. And every skill I'm coming across is, is a new one that I've never, you know, sharpened before. Um, so I know I went in a little bit in depth there, but you, you asked which one was like, you know, the hardest. And for me, it's just been kind of that, that limiting belief.
Yeah, well, that's, I mean, I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that because for entrepreneurs listening, that's such a rich vein. And that's why I wrote the book because I couldn't find any good content for that. And I think there's a tendency to feel, at least I did, I shouldn't say, I felt like, man, am I just, am I the only one who thinks this way? Come to turn out that every entrepreneur I've ever met, no matter how successful they are, has that same inner voice, inner critic, inner self-doubt. And so that's why I tried to personify it in the book. One, to make you feel like, hey, you're not crazy or well, you gotta kind of got to be a little bit crazy to be an entrepreneur, but you know, you're not you're not crazy, you're not alone, and then actually give you some tips because what you're talking about is self-awareness and, and and how do you get help around it? That's one of the one of the parts of the formula that I lay out in the book. Well, that sounds fantastic. Um, I mean, one of the reasons I think I'm so passionate about business is when I really realized how how much my personal growth was tied into the to business and entrepreneurship. And if I want to be successful, if I'm competitive and I want to be successful in this space, then I need to work on personal growth. And like it forced me to work on these areas and it excited me. You know, it's always excited me. Yep. Um, so and it never yeah. stops. That's the other part about it. It's a little bit, what I loved about it uh, is that it never stops. And every stage of the journey, I talked about this a little bit in the book about expectations is you, I used to think, hey, if I got to some level of revenue, or some level of customers or employees that I would be in air quotes, the video, you know, I was done or I'd achieved it. And you come to find out that it's a little bit like a roller coaster ride. And in, in my opinion, you know, you go through a small hill, mm -hmm. you're okay. And then here comes another hill and it, it never stops. And the more that you start to understand that and process that, I think then you can do a lot of the, the great work that you've been, you've been doing yourself. Yeah. If you don't mind, I'll take a couple of minutes. I kind of had one of those come to Jesus moments, like where I was coming, you know, going downhill. And um, it was like a climb up and then kind of downhill. I kind of, uh, it, I was, I'd reached a bunch of goals actually. And I was coming, it was like December, 2019, I think. So not that long ago, uh, but I was, I'd crushed a bunch of goals um, and I've never really been motivated by money. I mean, it is a motivator, but it's not my main motivator. And um, I want to be financially stable so I can make more choices and be free more, you have more freedom, but that's really the, you know, the, the motivator. And um, I was just like, a, I had achieved that in my, for my needs and um, I had accomplished things like for my family, a house for my mom, like some stuff I was just like beyond my wildest dreams in some ways. And um, I, I feel like all of a sudden I lost the motivation, the natural gift that I've always had, the yep. hunger. Yep. Um, and I was like, look, I'm not motivated by money and I have money. So like, what am I motivated by? And it was just really hard to continue to be engaged, you know, in the business and not just mine, but like, you know, we manage businesses. So trying to just like pull my energy into that, but not having no real energy. It was like a, a manufactured energy. And um, I just had to fall in love with the process again and not trying to be cliche, but it really was. It was just like, look, there's another level. Um, you know, and I get to, that's something I get to work on, which I like, I like that. So let's just fall in love with the process again. And, you know, it just kind of just clicked. Um, and, uh, you know, it's been a great year since then, I'll be yeah. honest with you, just you know, enjoying the pandemic, uh, in a way that's like, look, I'm in e-commerce and in Amazon, and this is like booming, you know, booming. like yeah. this is booming. It's a good space to be in and, you know, um, let's have some fun with it. Yeah, no, there's so much there. I mean, that that part, I think the part, anyone who thinks, I, I tell people, entrepreneurs all the time, if you're doing this for financial rewards, it's a little bit like the old adage of if you're drinking salt water, you're, you're, you're always going to be thirsty because there's always going to be someone with more than you. And, you know, mm -hmm. and, and after a while, the I, I for a while, it's like like you, I came from dirt poor 
how do I get myself out? And I felt like if I achieved certain levels of, again, stature, economic wealth, that therefore the monkey would stop bothering me and everything would be great. It turns out, yeah, it doesn't go away. And, and, and secondarily, if you're really not, if you're only in it for the money, the journey is too damn hard. Uh, there's better ways. If you just want to make money, go be a lawyer or investment banker or something like that, if that's in your uh, purview. But this is not a game. I find that if you, if you're purely motivated by money, I don't think the, I don't think you're going to make it. Or agree. if you do make it, it's going to, you're, you're going to find something else to plague you. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a lot easier ways to make money. Like you said, Yeah, there sure uh, you know, you can stack cash and be in real estate and make moves, you know, and just play pretty safe. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of stress you won't have to go through. Exactly. Where can people find your book, Mike? So the book is again, Mr. Monkey and me, it's available on Amazon. Um, I also have on my website, which is mikesmirklow.com, not the easiest uh, domain name, but mikesmirklow.com. I've got a free chapter for the book. I've got a test, an entrepreneurial readiness test. Um, which I think people found to be really just a fun way to to explore. But uh, and my socials all mikesmirklow.com. So yeah, the book's available on Amazon. The other thing I, I always forget to mention, and I want to make sure I mention, is every dollar of proceeds is going to a scholarship I set up for diverse and underrepresented students who are interested in entrepreneurship. It's something I'm passionate about, uh, and was very fortunate. So if anyone does buy the book, uh, know that it's going to help students who are into entrepreneurship who come from a, a different background than, than the average student. That's awesome, Mike. Um, yeah. And anyone listening uh, that's not tuned in live, all of the links will be in the bio um, on YouTube and Facebook whenever we post this out uh, live on Spotify. So you guys can find it again if you're driving or listening to this as you're moving. Um, you know, we'll have links to the book, we'll have links to his website uh, and his social handles. So, um, and, and let's take this break real quick. I want to jump into another subject, but to thank our sponsor, FullScale.io, helping anyone build software teams quickly and affordably. You guys know how much I love FullScale. Um, they will help you build out your team, help you scale. Um, you know, if you're not ready to uh, jump into an area completely on your own and bring that in-house, they're a good team to work with. Mike, I wanted to, we started the show a little bit earlier. I just, I like kind of, you know, tested the waters with the Thrasio.io IPO. And, um, you know, you, you let me know that there's a competitor that, that you guys are behind. And I would love to know more about that. Let's just, let's just talk about that. Tell me what, um, you know, you're doing in the e-commerce space, uh, the Amazon space. Yeah. So Nexco Ventures, I mentioned, we're headquartered in Austin, Texas. We invest in series A, series B technology companies in the, in the non-coastal markets. Kansas City, like Austin, Salt Lake City, we have three prime, we're, we're thematically driven. So what that means, and I'll, I'll get your question, but we sat back five years ago and said, what are the big themes that we think are going to unfold and therefore present an opportunity for entrepreneurs? And one of them was the changing face of retail. And even pre-COVID, pre-pandemic, it was quite clear that Amazon was going to continue its dominance. And then, as you mentioned, take the pandemic and remote working and all that gets accelerated. Like mm -hmm. we've been saying around our firm, you know, there's been 10 year trends that got compressed to six months and e-commerce is certainly one of them. Um, it was already starting a runaway train, but we love the, we love the fulfilled by Amazon play. We've got a company called Goja. It's located in Miami. It also is acquiring and building a technology platform around smaller fulfilled by Amazon plays. Mm -hmm. We just think from a higher level, we think that there's so many behaviors that were already happening and then you take the pandemic and they got accelerated and i don't think you put the genie back in the bottle um some some will come back i think business travel will come back to some extent office space to some regards but i think the e-commerce and certainly the amazon juggernaut 
you just wait, we're way, we're already accustomed to it. Now it's done. Um, you know, the idea of getting in your car and driving to a mall was already getting weird. Now I don't, mm -hmm. I don't think that happens. So yeah, so we, we love the space. It's a massive market and we think it's a really way, great way for entrepreneurs. Actually, if you looked, if you haven't looked at the fulfilled by Amazon, where you can put inventory on and use all the logistics, it's a really great way to start a business or have a side hustle. The challenge is getting scaling it. And that's where companies like Thrasio or our company Goja come in and, and they are acquiring those companies and putting them under one umbrella. I love it. Um, you know, I, I've been reached out to about six times in the last few months about being acquired my agency. Um, I know a lot of that is from this, you know, this buzz, this tension in our, in our space with the direct to consumer space. Um, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a little bit of a roller coaster for me, just like, you know, mentally, honestly, yeah. as an entrepreneur, yeah. I'm not looking to sell, um, you know, uh, but it was, it went through my head, you know, and it was like, look, you could get out, you know, you could get out uh, and do something else, buy the brands that, you know, that you want to buy um, or make some moves in that way. And it just caused me to at least think of the opportunity. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's one that, I mean, starting up, I mean, that's one of the challenges yeah. of the entrepreneurial journey, right? Is, you build this, you work so hard, uh, and then someone comes along and says, hey, I'll pay you a lot of money for your business. And, and what do you do? And, and there's a mental aspect to that as well. Yeah, no, um, even before this Thrasio IPO that happened, um, my, my five-year plan has been to acquire businesses, run them through my construction company that is Marknology, so to speak, you know, from fulfillment to, um, you know, we're an Amazon advertising agency uh, partner uh you know all the content we do content photography in-house i've been building my company to essentially be able to acquire brands just didn't think of doing it at a at a large scale like that you know to me it was build my capital buy the brand when i get the opportunity and then you know repeat rinse repeat rinse repeat uh but thrasio laid out the blueprint and i think that's what got like you know outside of the pandemic that factor um along with the pandemic getting essentially everyone in america like has bought something online now, yeah. Uh, you know, and it's yeah, changed I, think, the game. I think something like forty percent of Amazon's retail. This is a staggering stat because you know how big Amazon is. Forty percent of it, I think, is fulfilled by Amazon. So folks like yourself that are that have the great business and they're just using all the logistics and distribution. That's a pretty amazing number. Forty percent. Oh, it's huge. And you can use, you know, if you if you know how to do it, you can use FBA or Amazon's fulfillment to fulfill all your other channels as well. Yep. You know, for me, when it was just me and I was uh, still looking to travel freelancer before I built my agency, it was um, I, I created Landlocked, you know, uh, an apparel business here in Kansas City that city pride and things like that. And I didn't I get a couple orders a day and, you know, like I didn't want to ship them. I'm like, how can I do this when I'm traveling, even from my website and things like my Etsy? And um, so I connected FBA to all of them and figured yep. it was like super easy. I think that's a real secret for entrepreneurs is that and that omni-channel, what, what you're describing the omni-channel is that's what the real power is, is the ability to have a big footprint on Amazon, but then have it through other distribution channels. That's where you can get real scale to a business without Canly taking care of, I had to worry about all the quote unquote stuff that's uh, usually not value created. No, you're right. And honestly, um, I've, I've started a little, I started a warehouse in January of this year, didn't know the pandemic was going to happen. Um, you know, I've been advising brands over 300 since I've started on how to integrate with 3PLs, whether it was their websites or Amazon, 
from the from the Amazon consultant side, I'm giving them advice and telling them about inserts, how to create packs to get profitability, and you know all those kinds of things. And um, I kept I kept coming across you know several brands that needed just kind of a small boutique 3PL that ta- that's tailored around FBA or tailored around Amazon, getting their products ready for FBA like yeah. before they get there. Right. Yep. Um, and it's been, um, an awesome year, honestly, being, being here for those brands that couldn't get into 3PL once the pandemic hit and needed to make adjustments with FBA getting shut down if they weren't essentials and things like that. So it's been a fun year in that regard. Um, but you really realize what kind of operation they have going at FBA when you're, you know, when you're running your own fulfillment center, even at a small level, um, it's pretty robust. Yeah. What's yes, interesting about that too is, 2020, and I just wrote a blog about this. Um, it'll be published in a couple of weeks. We're, we're doing this podcast at the start of December, but it was really about what 2020 taught me as on, about an entrepreneurship. And one of my takeaways, because you know, there's been so much negative and bad news, and obviously, uh, I don't want to take anything away from the pandemic, the, the the pandemic issues as well as small businesses, the impact. But it's also taught you that things happen quickly. You got to innovate, and sometimes opportunity comes in ways that you don't expect it. All the things you're describing business that were, what were prepared for what you just described or had someone like you to help them could really take advantage of, of an unfortunate situation. Yeah, and that's yeah. you know good reminder. I, I use a quote, Mike Tyson, the boxer said, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth, which is one of my favorite entrepreneurial quotes. It seemed weird to get that from Mike Tyson, but is you can build your business plan and have all your strategy. And then you go out and something positive, negative, or completely unexpected happens. How do you respond to that? Do you have the resources and the mental tenacity to really make a pivot or take advantage of something you didn't see coming? I love it. Everything you said, Mike, is is right on. Um, specifically the pivot, specifically getting punched in the face. <laughs> yeah. um, no, that's one of my favorite quotes as well. I was literally telling my, um, I own a, a Airbnb property management business here in Kansas City as well. We have about 25 Airbnbs and some other traditional properties. So it's a, it's a little small operation. Um, but we're having fun with it. And I was talking to my partner and I said, you know, he's more, he used to be military intelligence. So a captain, he's trained with like in my six, he's done some really cool things, but uh, you know, he was always about risk assessment. Yep. Okay. So he's a yep. good partner for me because I was born in Africa with like bare feet and like, it was crazy dangerous, but I'm very comfortable in that. Yep. Okay. Yep. So we're, we're a good balance. And you know, he's always trying to get the plan and think of this, think of this, think of this. I said, you know, you can think 12 moves ahead. I choose to think five because yeah, yeah. 12 is too much stress for me. And I was like, at the end of the day, it doesn't, you know, it's really about how quick can you adapt and how quick can you pivot because you're going to get hit in the face, like in, you know, almost any direction that you go. So like, you know, for, we were just having that same exact conversation, I guess the other day and talking about how it's not that I'm not stressed about what might happen or I'm not anxious about it. It's that it doesn't really matter how good my plan is. So, well, you know, it's, you know, it's brilliant about that. There's two things. One it shows the power of a partner. I've also had a, I've got a co-founder at Nexico's Ventures. And when I started off my underwriting journey, I had a co-founder there. It really speaks to understanding yourself and knowing what your strengths and weaknesses are. And if you need a partner or want a partner, like I do, sounds like you do, it can be immensely helpful. But the second one is anybody who tells you the next 12 moves, they're guessing at the, you know, they're guessing at five, six, seven, eight, nine through 12, right? So I think that is, it's a great, two great points. One, the partnership, but also, yeah, it's great to have a plan, but agility and mental tenacity and the ability to say, okay, you know, boom, COVID just happened. We got a bunch of Airbnb properties. What do we do? Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, and, and maybe you convert them and, and now you're, or maybe 
different customers are going to start coming. It's no longer the international travel, whatever it is. It's just that agility that's so critical. Yeah, it's actually crazy. Um, you're right. It's the agility. It's the ability to pivot. It's the ability to be like, you know, think on your feet, problem solve quickly in the moment. Um, and that's, I guess, where my confidence comes from. Um, you know, maybe being raised in Africa. I don't know. Uh, I like to think a lot of that has to do with who I am as a person now and just, uh, you know, being able to think outside the box, you know, anything can be fixed, uh, you know, with the with the right vision on it, on it, right perspective on it. Um, but being able to just adapt, things just happen. They say this is Africa. That's saying they say this is Africa, like, you know, things just happen. And it's just, you know, how do you adapt? How do you change direction? Um, and that Airbnb, actually, like we've had an amazing year, we haven't lost money a single mm -hmm. month this year. Um, it was crazy, a couple of crazy roller coasters where everything was canceling, you know, and having to adapt and change our customer. You're right. So like the local customer for a while. Um, but then we pivoted and we were starting to set our homes up for people that need to quarantine. Yep. Um, you know, people coming in to visit family or returning home or nurses or first responders. So there was a, you didn't, we wouldn't have known that move at the beginning. We just, you know, kept adapting and, and figured it out as we went. Yeah, that's great. That's a great example. That's a great example. Let's talk about, um, you know, companies that are a good fit for you guys for for venture for venture capital. And, and, and let's talk about, um, you know, you talk about them being tech, but I've seen e commerce companies, like, is there a specific um, type of company that you're looking for? Yeah, it's it's um, so we're, our typical check size just is, is between five and $10 million. We usually lead a series A series B if you're a venture backed company. Um, for us, it is thematic and we have all of our, if you go to our website, we're very open about the themes that find us, we find interesting. We had future of work, changing uh, software development and how software business to business software is emerging, changing face of retail to name a few. And then it, what that boils down to is we typically invest in business to business software, e-commerce or emerging platforms. And so okay. we have a full, we have a very, I joke, you know, it's a top secret formula, uh, again, in air quotes, we really look at how big is the market? What's the market size that the, the company's going after? Because if you're in venture capital and any entrepreneur out there, if you want to seek venture capital, we have to drive out size returns. That's, that's how we make our living. So how big is the market? How disruptive is the solution? And for there, I mean, you know, I think ride sharing is a pretty big market, but I'd argue that Lyft and Uber kind of have that one covered. So uh, you come to us with say, hey, look how big the ride sharing market is great, but it's hard to come up with an innovative solution. But then the third element and where we spend the bulk of our time candidly is on the entrepreneur. And is she a glass eater is a term we use, which is not a fun term to think about, but it really speaks to the the mental, again, mental strength to go through the ups and downs to do everything within legal and ethical boundaries to make a business successful. So the bulk of our diligence and energy after we got the checkbox on market size and solution, it really then goes down to, do we think this person is going to be able to recruit a team, get employees inspired and candidly just keep after it like we've been talking about on this call, on the show? Yeah, that's the jockey, right? You're not yep. betting on the horse, you bet on the jockey. And yep. um, that's how I was raised. So some of these principles, you know, I've, I've had to just like learn these new things in business that I just had no idea. And then others, I'm like, okay, this is actually how I was taught. They might have referred to it a little bit differently, yeah. you know, but, but you're picking, you know, I was never, I, I don't really, it's not about the degree to me. It's not about your qualifications. You know, it's just about a uh, track record and, you know, um, references and like, you know, let's see what you got. And, um, you know, I think that speaks more to it. 
Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I, I, when I went into when I went into venture capital, I'd been a, I'd been more of a marketing and sales type entrepreneur, and so it was more customer centric. And I was really curious because I thought there's got to be a, a core attribute, at least one or two, that makes a successful entrepreneur. I've been disappointed and maybe optimistically surprised in a good way that I haven't been able to find one. Okay. Uh, I, I don't think there is an attribute. I've seen incredibly introverted, extroverted, uh, technical, non-technical. So I don't think it's been an interesting five years of doing this job because I haven't been able to pinpoint one thing other than some of the things I talk about in the book, self-awareness, willingness to ask for help, kind of a mental tenacity I've mentioned a couple of times. But the other one is I do think most entrepreneurs have, have a chip on their shoulder. Not all of them. But usually if I, if I respond back and my partner and I were just talking about this, we were doing an analysis and our fund, we're in our second fund, fund one seems to be doing incredibly well. And we've looked and said, okay, what has been the, what has been the success factor for our entrepreneurs? And it tends to be, uh, again, the self-awareness seems to be a big one. And the second one is there's something a little bit edgy uh, in terms of a chip on their shoulder they're trying to prove. Um, so I don't know how you test for that, but mm -hmm. right now that seems to be has has as much impact as just about any other attribute we can figure out that'd be a cool quiz you know yeah. if, you, if you figure that out um thinking about your website the the one on your website but um man i don't i don't think that i i didn't even know what the word entrepreneur meant I, the only thing i thought really starting a business and this shows some of my ignorance i guess but um the only thing i thought was like you're in real estate i, I had seen some rich people or wealthy people in in real estate um I had seen like trades, the trades, you know, people own their own business and, yep. you know, um, things like that. And I had seen, you know, bankers and lawyers and things like that. I hadn't seen like that many real entrepreneurs uh, outside of nonprofits, you know, like, growing up in a missionary or a preacher's home, uh, you know, it's a nonprofit. I guess they're growing businesses in that way, but I didn't, you know, you didn't translate it to money. Yeah. And, um, you know, so, but really like, learning all of that, even like what I was learning within a church or a nonprofit, I guess, if you're overseas, it's not really a church, it's more like an educational nonprofit. Um, but there's a lot of lessons in there that if you can like translate, uh, you know, things from your past to that, uh, it, it can go a really long way. And that's what I've kind of been on the journey. I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm more qualified for this than I thought if I take my past life lessons and start like processing them and how they can help me, you know, in business versus seeing it as a, such a foreign object. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's well, when I grew up, uh, I joke like anyone who had wealth and we didn't have, we saw it from across the town. My, my grandma used to think they were, she'd say they're either mobsters or criminals or something. So I, I didn't have a whole lot of role models to state the obvious, but, but your did your point though, I did have, as I got older, I was like, okay, but I, but I, I hustle and I've got street smarts and I'm outgoing. So I think it's really interesting self-awareness that you have and the way you describe it is, the other thing I'd, I'd highlight is there's no, no one has all this stuff figured out. Nobody, mm -hmm. not Jeff Bezos, he, you know, every, every person out there is really good at some things and have weaknesses. So I think the other part of the entrepreneurial journey and, and you're making, sounds like you've made a ton of stress, stress uh, strides on this is knowing what you're good at. And I, I love the saying, there's another saying that says, it's so much easier to play to your strengths than it is to fix your weaknesses. And if you think about that as an entrepreneur and you know, you're starting off, you got a couple people, hire accordingly. If you're going to hire one person, go hire the person in the area weakest and mm -hmm. that allows you to spend the bulk of your strengths. And I think that the way you described it, I love it because it's just a good reminder. There's another fallacy that I got to know everything and I got to be good at everything. Absolutely not. The real goal is to figure out what you're good at and where you're not good and supplement where you're not good either by hiring or by education.
Yeah, something fun I did at the beginning was um, I got such a good lease on a place, uh, an office space, you know, I had like five rooms and it was just me. And so I was like, you know, trading out the other, I could afford my rent. So I was trading out my other rooms for services, you know, from different entrepreneurs in the area, whether it's video or photography or, you know, uh, admin or different things like that. And just getting some part-time help um, early on when I just like really needed help, but didn't have skills or didn't have the time. So you can, there's, there's creative ways, even if you're bootstrapping or like, even if you've got funding, you still got to be just as creative a lot of times. And, um, you know, it's about, how can you repurpose what you already have or how can you use, you know, and start trading, trading resources. I definitely got more confident as I felt like I had something to offer. Yeah. Um, there's, there's know. a great test I used to do. I, I talk about in the book, but it's the Eisenhower, I think it's Eisenhower matrix off the president, which was a simple grid that says what I'm good at, what I'm not good at, what I like to do, what I, I don't like to do. And, but, but make sure that you're really good at something. Cause uh, you know, you know, if you're, if you're room right. hundred people, you say, Hey, anybody here a bad driver and no one will raise their hand. And then you say, has anybody been in an accident and 30% will raise their hand. So you, you got to make sure that the, what you're good at is actually verified by external parties. But it, I think for entrepreneurs, it's really helpful because to your point, then you say, okay, I'm going to go spend as much time at both where I need to develop and where I need to hire to supplement those skills or to your point where I could trade skills. Hey, I'm really good at this and I need a developer. So let's trade hours. It's a brilliant way to bootstrap a business. Thank you. Um, and yeah, I think a lot of people don't think about that. They just don't think about trading services and they're like, I have to be able to afford this. And you know, sometimes you can just do something for somebody else. Um, you know, whether it's even space or, or, or camera equipment or what do you have, you know, what do you have? Whatever it takes. Right. Um, so it's a lot of fun, you know, for me, um, since I got a, a venture capitalist on the phone, I'm going to bring this up too. Uh, but in the early days, I definitely didn't understand the only budget I had ever ran was a personal budget. And mm-hmm. I, I had some budgeting skills, but, um, you know, I'd only ran a budget to like make sense to make money and or like, you know, to save put enough money back for my bills and, and save money. So when I first got into business, I was even managing Amazon accounts on the side. Um, you know, I'm, I'm managing an Amazon business for them and helping them grow sales and really learning the platform. I've been helping brands for like nine years. So it's been a little, it's changed a little bit, but, um, I, I didn't, it really hit me differently whenever I met my first company that had investors behind it because their strategies were so different than what I, you know, had, had built or like known as a, um, a, a personal man, just trying to run a bit of a budget. And just learning a lot of those strategies was, um, you know, extremely different on how they do things and use things. And um, it was a big lesson for me as someone that had only seen something one way. And then I met, you know, and this investor, this investor uh, got on the calls with us, with the founder of the company. And um, he was kind enough to just like spend some time explaining, um, you know, all the strategies that can come into play and how sometimes it's about top line revenue and being able to get the next round and, um, you know, being able to show that there's potential for growth in an area or specific things like that. And not necessarily, um, you know, you're adjusting things to make it as profitable as possible, so to speak. Um, And really, really taught me a lot um, on ways to see, see business differently. Yeah, no, it's and it's a great call out. I actually tell someone asked me this other another show said, how many times you tell entrepreneurs, uh, do you ever tell entrepreneurs they shouldn't seek venture capital? And I said all the time, all the time. If you've got a good business and you're running it and it's profitable and it's getting you where you need to be and you're enjoying it, avoid venture capital because when you know venture capital, you're basically I'm buying part of your company. 
So you're selling me part of your company with an expectation and in the venture world that I'm going to make 10 times my money. And so I spent a lot of time because I was very fortunate when I was an entrepreneur, I didn't know either. I had a great uh, legendary founder of a firm called Benchmark Capital in Silicon Valley, Bruce Dunleavy, one of my just dear mentors. But you know, when it, he, we, he was our first outside capital in after we bought the business. And he was very upfront and said, here's the numbers. Here's how much we paid for your stock. Here's where we need the stock to go. And here's our timeline. And as an entrepreneur, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's different than I've been, you know, to your point, I've been running the business that way. It's like, okay, I need to modify. But I think the best entrepreneurs, or as an entrepreneur, if you think about capital, you have to be really mindful what our expectations are, how we, how we get paid or how our investors get paid and make sure that's something that aligns with what you want to do with the business. Because, you know, I, I'm all for, if you can avoid selling any of your business and, and own hundred percent of it, that's by far the most lucrative way to do it is if you can scale the business with outside, without outside capital. Mike, that's great advice. Um, very authentic, honestly. And um, to anyone listening, he's exactly right. Like, you know, if you can, I, I want to talk about the expectation part, like understanding an investor's expectations, I think is the number one thing. Um, because you just might be coming to this situation from a completely different perspective. Um, and if that's not completely like completely communicated to you, or you have a different idea of what that looks like. Um, you know, I was fortunate to be just the, uh, the monkey in the middle, you know, uh, you know, trying to help, trying to help, you know, the founder grow his business for the investor that are both on the phone, you know, yeah. and so kind of trying to be in the middle and understand where they're both coming from. Um, was really insightful to me. And so I, I was able to go through several of those lessons before like I ever had my own opportunities. Um, but it's something you know, that I'm trying to learn a lot more about. So I really appreciate you getting on the podcast tonight, because um, just learning how venture capitalists think, you know, um, you know, what kind of companies they're looking for. Um, you know, for me, I, I guess I've always I'm a little excited about this environment that we're in, because for my most mostly my six years of like creating Marknology, and growing it, um, you know, there hasn't been a lot of attention in, in, in the e-commerce space or in the Amazon agency space. Uh, it's been tech, you know, software yeah. companies, and it still is in a way. Uh, but it's kind of fun to, for people to start looking into what we do and being able to throw, you know, I know that this space is going to explode when it gets money behind it. Uh, so as someone like myself, even trying to develop software around the APIs and, you know, things that plug in that do what we do, uh, it will be cool to see some like, you know, some companies come up that help us do our job better. I'm real excited. Yeah, well, I think uh, I think it's a great time to be an entrepreneur. I really do. I think it might be the it might be the hardest time right now to be an entrepreneur. Again, that's why I wrote this book to help people with it, because you got a lot of things you got to deal with. It's always a hard job. And now you throw in pandemic and uh, work from home and social uh, justice things that are thankfully being brought mm -hmm. to the forefront. But on the flip side, man, there's a ton of opportunity. I, I mean, I just, I jump out of bed every day. I love to see entrepreneurs. I believe in entrepreneurship. I think it's desperately needed now more than ever. We need more entrepreneurs. We need more diversity in entrepreneurship. And boy, there's a ton of opportunities out there. Uh, things are changing at a faster clip than ever before. And so I think any of your listeners that are interested in thinking about it, um, I'm just, I'm passionate and I hope they, um, I hope they get the courage to, to give it a shot. No, your passion comes through, Mike. Um, I am going to read the book and uh, we might have to have you back on the show just so we can walk through some of the chapters. I love storytelling. And so you, I think you're going to have some good stories in there. I'm looking forward to reading. I'd love to come back. Yeah, this is great. I mean, it's great to hear your experience. Obviously, you're going through the journey and doing an amazing job. It's fun to hear you talk about self-awareness um, and all about you know, your learning. So I'd love to come back at any time. And thanks for having me.
Yeah, no problem. And thanks again to our sponsor, FullScale.io, helping you build software teams quickly and affordably. Uh, see you next time, guys. Startup Hustles brought to you by FullScale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. Like we do it.